Hey y'all, hey, welcome back to another episode of Woman the F Up with yours truly, Shakisha Renee. I'm so happy that you have decided to tune in yet again. Y'all already know the drill. On this week's episode, I want to share with you all the pros and cons that I have experienced now entering officially um, the executive search, i.e. the recruiting space, and also share with you all a few tips that I would suggest when a headhunter, hiring manager, a recruiter reaches out to you on LinkedIn or any other avenue, whether it's your personal email. So I think this is definitely beneficial for all of my friends listening, especially because it is a hot market right now. Employees are in, or I should say at an advantage at this point. So if you are just interested in learning how to better interview and get past the screening process and start interviewing with your dream company, Sit back, relax, tell a friend. Y'all know the drill. Tell a friend to tell a friend to pull up, okay? Thank you all for tuning in yet again. As I mentioned earlier, I want to discuss the pros and cons that I have experienced within the recruiting space. Um, So I'm just going to get right into it just to share a little backstory. So um, I was at one of the big four companies for five years. My favorite pastime to kind of help me get through the mundane task of dealing with white corporate America, I would do campus recruiting. Me being an HBC alum um, from the illustrious Hampton University, um, we have a wonderful five-year MBA program. Um, For those of you who know, y'all know. Um, So when I went to this big four accounting firm as an associate fresh out of college, Within the consulting industry, that was kind of my favorite pastime was campus recruiting. So they will allow us to either partner with the local office and help recruit, or you can go back to your alma mater because obviously you do have rapport connections with um, typically the dean of the school and just important people that you need to know um, when trying to kind of bridge the gap between the students and the recruiter and the school as well. So that was my favorite pastime. I didn't officially kind of step into a recruiting or DEI role until the start of the pandemic. So I've (laughs) mentioned this a couple times on this podcast that, you know, at the start of the pandemic, a lot of companies were kind of making a mad dash to be one with black people um, because all of us had to kind of sit still and be calm and realize what we've and we've by um, black people, um, that America is a fucked up place to be and live in. Anywho, um, like I said, a lot of the corporations wanted to have conversations and share about experiences and how can we, you know, increase underrepresented talent. So my firm at the time made an audacious commitment to um, increase underrepresented talent within the advisory space over the next five years. I became the team leader for the higher pillar. There were five pillars um, and I was responsible for the higher pillar. So kind of setting the strategy and framework behind how to execute and how to help widen 
widen the tunnel per se on how to get um, diverse talent. And it's honestly not diverse, underrepresented talent, the, the people who actually need to be in the room, okay? They should have a reservation, they should be on the guest list, but anywho, um, that was kind of my official foot in the door. So we're we're having to produce numbers, we're having to measure them and things of that sort. It wasn't a favorite pastime, but I got to get more into the nitty gritty. Long story short, someone from an executive search company reached out to me, who is my colleague now. Super cute, she's so adorable. I won't say your name, but you're pretty cool. Um, she recruited me and I thought this was the best way for me to, you know, gain more experience. I said, I've never officially been in a position or company whose primary, um, revenue is based on recruiting. Um, so this was definitely a change for me in that sense. Um, but everything that I do going to market is always with a diverse lens because I want to make sure my people get the best. They have a seat at the table. Um, so that's how I kind of came into executive search and I haven't been at this company for a full year. I'm coming up close to it, but I have learned so much. Um, I don't see myself kind of being here long-term work-life balance is not the best, but that's another conversation for another day. But here are some, uh, we're going to start, we're going to start with the cons. Okay. So first con there ain't a lot of us, okay? Um, and us, again, I mean black people. I'm a black woman for those of you who may not know, but there's not a lot of diversity, not a lot of people of color, not a lot of black people, not a lot of us being represented. And it's similar to corporate America, not even corporate America, it's similar to the world. We often influence and make the most impact in whatever industry we may be in, but unfortunately, we are underrepresented, hence why I don't think, you know, diversity is the term for it anymore. It's underrepresented because we're not necessarily the minorities. We are just underrepresented in these spaces. And recruiting executive search is very much so similar. I think in my company, there may be, I don't know two to three of us and that's pushing it and I don't think we're all in the U.S. long story short so there's not a lot of us in this space and unfortunately it still operates operates the way America operates as in you're only looked at or included in things that have to do with underrepresented talent so i.e. if they want more black people they're going to look to you um, if they are seeking your advice on a candidate that may be underrepresented, they're looking to you or when shit blows up in their face, then they look to you. Y'all know the story of a black woman. We're the adults in the room. We fix shit all the time. Um, but obviously like any other job, you have to make sure that you set those boundaries and I'll get into that a little bit later on how I kind of set those boundaries in the workplace when it comes to diversity. On the contrary, the con of being a black woman in this executive search, this recruiting space is the impact. So for the most part, I control the search, meaning yes, the client does hire us to do a job. Yes, we are responsible to find them the best candidate, but I control where and who I want 
to include in these searches, who gets to go to the next round per se, whether that's speaking to um, my managing partner or if they had made it past um, his input and his insight when they are able to go to the client now for first round interviews, having a voice and speaking on their behalf, obviously, when they're not in the room. So that's what I mean by controlling the search. And secondly, I get to, and let me go back to that. So with controlling the search, I get to say, hey, um, because again, we're hired by the client, right? To find these talented, strong candidates for this job description that they put out. Um, But I'm able to say like, hey, I want to make sure I know the budget for this role. I'm going to go look for a black woman. I'm going to go look for a Hispanic woman. I'm going to look for a black man. I'm going to look for an Asian woman and things of that sort. I'm going to look for a gay man, a lesbian. I'm going to look for my underrepresented talent so I can control the search to that extent to that extent. And also I think with that approach, I can leverage my built-in DEI and emotional intelligence. So I feel like as black women, it's kind of like an innate capability where we can read the room, right? Usually the strategies that we have set in place, the solutions that we develop, they typically work for most, if not all people involved. So I'm able to kind of leverage Again, I'm controlling the search. I'm controlling who my pool is. And like going back to the con that I mentioned earlier, even in the searches that I am doing, there is still a deficit of underrepresented talent, of black people, of Hispanic people, especially in these white male dominated areas such as retirement, mutual funds, and things of that sort. So let me just keep reiterating that, but I'm able to leverage that approach to say, hey, I'm reading the room. This person, my my black king, my black queen is not going to sit well or fit well in this culture because of either what they're expecting, whether it's longer hours. I'm like, I don't want to put my people in there. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. So I get to control the search. So that is um, the, the pro of this job, that whole impact thing. Thirdly, obviously the knowledge. I have acquired so much knowledge in a short amount of time that obviously I'm here to share it with you. Like I said, not really feeling this, you know, but I have to find the silver lining in this and I have, which is the opportunity to learn how to interview better, what to ask ask for when I am negotiating and also to share this type of information on my platform. So... I'm able to let my friends know, let my mama know, like, okay, in your three seconds, when you're on the phone, like, this is your interview. Like, that first initial screen, this is what you got to say. This is how you got to say it and things of that sort. And going back to setting those boundaries. So, again, I feel like as a black woman, we we own it. The way I have decided to set boundaries with this job, especially since there's not a lot of us, especially in the U.S., is to establish rapport and trust with my client, even though my end goal, my bigger picture is to get my people in these places that are literally paying an arm and a leg just for the way you look, just for your existence. I make sure that when and if there is a candidate of color 
that I am listening first, first and foremost, but also that I am not constantly interjecting or interpreting their views of the candidate because I don't want to create a rapport where the client doesn't feel comfortable about giving honest feedback because there's a black woman in the room and the candidate may be a black candidate. That's number one. And number two, I don't want to be seen. I'm the only um, black person on my team. I don't want to be seen as the interpreter, the black person whisperer, um, every single time there's misinterpretation. The time that I do speak up is if you, again, are not giving honest feedback. You can't tell me you don't like this person because they don't make you feel right. Like you have to state legit facts and sidebar. I kind of like put black women, women, moms specifically kind of on a higher pedestal, which is, it's a bad, good thing. And I, this is what I mean by a higher pedestal. Like if the role is for financial services and I find a lawyer, um, (laughs) who has been practicing law and she shared with me and her story that she's good for this role. And I think like, I just think women can do it all. They can figure it out. Like at bare minimum, they're going to figure it out. So don't tell me that she can't do it because she hasn't been sitting there long enough. And you just got promoted to this role that you just had for two seconds. Like, you know, so that's that's just my two cents. But I will definitely say the knowledge that I'm able to share is also another pro of, you know, being one of few black women in this recruiting space. Now, if I'm being completely honest and I'm going to wrap it up real real soon, real soon. Um, just to share some tips with you all. So like I said, the market is hot. This is an employee's market. You can literally name your price. Okay. Be smart about it. Like if you just graduated college, do not be expecting six figures. There's some leniency around it, obviously, like with the cost of living, but manage your expectations. But for the most part, this is an employee's market. The first tip And before I share the tips, let me kind of just break down um, the types of recruiting or the way recruiting works. So essentially, this company, let's just say in this example, it's Walmart. Walmart will hire um, a company such as a corn fairy who is known for recruiting and executive search to say, hey, I want... um, a CCO, a chief compliance officer for this role, and we're going to hire Corn Ferry to do it. What Corn Ferry then does, let me take a step back right quick. Now, there are two types of recruiting, okay? So one is contingent recruiting, and contingent recruiting is essentially folks who get paid based on the people that are placed. So if any of you all have experienced those hiring managers that are very like in your face, like, oh my gosh, I got to like, give me your resume. Give me your resume. That's usually contingent. Not saying that that's a thousand percent what it means, but usually the ones who are more pushy and more like, okay, I'm going to give you a call. I'm going to text you. I'm going to email you. I'm going to do all of this. They're usually contingent. So they, they don't get paid unless they place you. Number one, the second type of recruiting is, um, I'm sorry, is executive and executive search is where I'm at. No, I'm sorry. The second type of recruiting is retained and retained recruiting or retained search as they call it. Essentially, 
we get paid regardless if we place the person or not. The client will still pay us, but obviously within the terms, um, we do have like a deadline. But if we do not find people with this within this deadline, you are able to cancel whatever the terms are, but we still get paid regardless if people are staffed or not. Okay, so before I go into the tips, those are those are the two types of recruiting, retained and contingent. So going back, so Corn Ferry is a recruiting team, right? So they go out there like, hey, we need a chief compliance officer. What they do is they go out and they source. They are using Google, LinkedIn, whatever other platforms that they have out there to say, hey, we're looking for these candidates with this criteria, right? And the next step is essentially to get you on the phone and get a feel for what it is that you have done. Now, this part is critical. Yes, this person, this hiring manager, this headhunter, whatever you want to call us, has reached out to you, but it is an interview. So as much as you want to learn more about the role, they are also interviewing you as well. And this is an initial screening. Within your conversation with them, while you are learning more about the role, you want to be able to articulate where you've been, what you've done, the impact that you had who you report to, what your team size is, team size and or dynamic. What they're trying to get a feel for, what we're trying to get a feel for when we have that initial screening is, are you a good fit based on your experience? What impact have you had and what impact can you potentially bring to this new role that we are recruiting you for? And who do you report to? So that helps us to level set because a vice president in one organization may be, um, a a lower level or a higher level in another organization. So they're trying to get a feel for where you sit at in your organization and who you report into. Also with the team size, again, we're trying to um, level set, you know, is this similar to the amount of people that you're going to be managing when you come into this role? Um, And again, you don't always need to have a team of people because some of these roles are developing. So you, you know, you kind of, but If you're able to articulate that, that will at least get you to the next level, which is typically um, the partner conversation. It's still on the recruiting side, but it'll get you to the second screening, right? Please, please, please understand, you do not need to share your comp. It is illegal for them to ask you about your compensation. Do not tell them your compensation if you do not want to tell them your um, compensation. However, I will say this, they will try and triangulate it. Okay. They're going to say, Hey, um, you know, what are the, what is the range that you may be looking for? What is intriguing to you and things of that sort. And again, if you don't feel comfortable answering, you don't need to. Um, but it is illegal for them to ask. I'm just putting that out there. Um, however, if you feel that this is a job that you may really want and you don't want to just shut down the conversation that you have at the moment, you can give them a range and that can be a wide range Two can play that game because that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to give you a wide range. Um, so you can give them a wide range. And again, like I mentioned earlier, you want to make sure that I don't want to say this isn't within reason, but do your research. What is the market saying? What are you currently making? And then you do have people because the executive search is typically C-suite candidates that we are speaking to. So some of them just may come out and say, hey, I'm a million all in. This is in base. Um, This is what I have in equity because typically they've been there for a long time and 
they may or may not be looking, but they just want to make sure like you can either meet or surpass that and usually surpass it because if they've been there for 10, 15, 20 years, they're not in any rush to necessarily leave. Um, but once you get to um, the second screening, which is typically with the partner or even with the client themselves, again, it's not guaranteed of your progression through the process. So we have a, a report that we present um, to the client. And ultimately, even though we build a rapport and you may have hiring managers who kind of talk you up. Um, I did see this on like a Facebook post, but you do have hiring managers that talk you up and it's not that they're not genuine. Um, they genuinely may have a connection. They feel like you're right for the role, but ultimately um, it's up to the client. So when we present to them your strengths, maybe your areas of improvement, if any at the moment, and provide a little color to your background because they only see a snapshot of what it is that you do, whether it's from a LinkedIn profile or your resume and what we've learned about you in our initial um, phone screening, they have the ultimate say. So it's not that your recruiter is is hyping you up. They're just like, okay, the client said, and you, you're you going to have some hiring managers who may circle back with you to say, hey, we're not moving along to keep the doors open because you may be good for another role. Um, but then you may have some hiring managers who never circle back. Again, it's not disingenuous. It's just honestly, we ain't got time for it. Okay. It's the client's decision. And unfortunately, but fortunately they do hire us to work for them. Um, so just keeping all of those tips in mind. Um, but I just wanted to kind of share my experience, share my knowledge, what I've learned thus far. Um, so if you are interested, feel free to reach out to hello at shakisharenane.com. Send me an email, DM me on underscore woman, T-F-U-P underscore on Instagram. Let me know your thoughts. Comment on this post when it comes out tomorrow on Tuesday, most likely at 12. Y'all know noon is our time. We can listen to it at lunch. Um, but those are tips, tips and tricks of a recruiter, pros and cons as well. So I appreciate y'all for, for chilling with a real one today, okay? For tuning in, like I said, like, comment, subscribe on the platforms that you typically listen to your podcast on. That's where we are available at, at woman, T-F-U-P, woman the F up. Um, three separate words going on there by Shakisha Renee. Also, if you just head over to ShakishaRenee.com, the podcast is the first thing that you see on the homepage. So even if you don't want to download all of those apps, you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. For my old folk, go ahead to ShakishaRenee.com. I've made it very convenient for you. And I do have a podcast, I'm sorry, a podcast player that you can just click, click play. I can't speak. Click play on the most recent episode. And if you aren't caught up, go ahead and binge watch. I have two seasons. Okay. Binge, not binge watch, binge listen to all of the past episode and happy pride month to my beautiful people out there. I do have a podcast on that too. So I can't remember what it's called. I think it's maybe if loving you is wrong. I don't know. Y'all go ahead and listen to all them episodes. Okay. Tell a friend to tell a friend to pull up to the function. That's it. Love y'all. Peace out. Happy Tuesday. Okay. Thank you.